Yeah, welcome to another episode of the Empowered Podcast. Today we are joined by James and he's going to talk to us a little bit today about Space Northeast. So over to you, mate, because you'll do a better job of explaining <laughs> it than me. Top and um, yeah, thanks for coming in and I'm keen to hear what it is you have to say. Yeah, yeah, appreciate you asking me on. So yeah, I'm James Files, um, born and bred in Sunderland, 30 year old, um, and I'm the director and founder of Space Northeast. Um, so Space is a community interest company that we, we basically help to provide some support for men in the Northeast. So we help provide support with depression, loneliness, anxiety, because there's massive problems with that in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. We've got the, the worst suicide rates in the country. Mm -hmm. um, and I experienced that myself. So that's pretty much what I wanted to do when I, when I was, when I, when I, I, I mean, I experienced around 10 years of depression, suicidal depression as well. I had no idea how to deal with it or what it was. And it took, that's why it took me 10 years. It wasn't a lot of support as well. So uh, basically back then, I guess we'll get into it, but uh, I decided that I wanted to try and help some help some lads who needed it and, and give some of the support that I, I know I needed back then. So that's the inspiration for getting started then. You realized that when you needed help, that it wasn't available. So how did you kind of kick that off then? Yeah. It went from being an idea and obviously needing that help and sorting yourself out. And yeah. then how did you actually kick off the starting, starting what you Doing now? It's probably easier for me to start from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Sunderland, as I mentioned, and I've got two brothers, one sister, family of six in a, in a pretty small house in Sunderland. But fantastic times, you know, absolutely fan amazing family and a really, really good childhood. Really supportive parents, really supportive family. Um, and and I, I guess life was pretty idyllic for me. Um, everybody has their own challenges within the family, of course, to do, but it was my life was no complaints. So, grew up, uh, went through school, thought I was the bees and A's in school, as you do when you're a teenager. <laughs> thought you were the boy. Um, and then, when I was 16, going through my GCSEs, my mum and dad separated, got a divorce. Now, this was a, the ultimate shock for me. Um, and, you know, as, as I talk about things now, I, I quite often look back and think, oh, was that actually what, what caused it? You don't know, but in my mind, how it makes sense was, it was the, the, the divorce started. So I had this amazing family unit that I felt like it was torn apart. So over the next 10 years, I, well, I dropped out of sixth form. Just just didn't feel myself. I, that, that's when we started. Me, my dad always says, um, he says that one, there was one day when he came into a meeting at sixth form and my teacher, the form teacher, she, he said he, she called him in for a meeting. He looked at me and he, he said his stomach dropped and he knew that's when things weren't great. And I was only 17 at the time. 16, 17. Um, so yeah, dropped out of sixth form, left there. Worked with my dad for a bit as a labourer, not for, not for very long. Joined the Royal Air Force. Loved that. Got medically discharged. Devastated. Um, you know, all the while things were bubbling in the background for me. Yeah. Um, left the Royal Air Force. Then I decided I was going to go to university, uh, which was four years of drinking, <laughs> eating crap food, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and not living a very healthy lifestyle. So things were gradually sort of starting to decline. Um, I had some pretty dark times in university and then after university I, I was working, I was lost, didn't know what to do. I tried to move to Canada, that didn't work out. Um, came home from there, you know, all these things I was trying, I was just looking for something mm. in my life that I knew was missing. I knew there was something not right. Yeah. 
And I was like, okay, it has to be in Bristol. I'll go to university there. It has to be in Canada. I'll go and try and move there. And all the while I was never looking internally at what was actually going on inside of me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tried Canada. That didn't work. Came home. I uh, worked in a bar for a while. And then I got a job at ADF, which was a call center in Sunderland, which was a conference was where my soul died. <laughs> it's not the uh, It's not the greatest place to be no. if you're not feeling no. great anyway. It's not. And, and, and that was really towards the end. By this point, I had been, when I was at ADF, I'd probably been thinking about taking my own life for about a year by that point, every day. So that, was, that wasn't a great place to be. Um, and I remember there was this one day, was in the summer of 2018. I, uh, I didn't go into work because I just couldn't face it. And you were timed when you went to the toilet. I, I f you felt like a battery chicken in there. So mm -hmm. came home, didn't go to work. And I just decided that one day that I was going to take my own life. Uh, it, it had been enough. I'd suffered for long enough. I'd, I'd been sad for long enough. It was like this relentless sadness, which was hard to escape. And I always try to describe it as every time I felt like I was getting lifted up, things were getting better, it would pull me down. And then if I was down, it would stand on, stand on my head and push me down. So there was never any escaping it. And this got, this got too much. It, it, it was far too much. So I decided that day, that's it. I'm gonna take my own life. It was red hot. I was sitting in my room and it was dusty, horrible. I just hadn't, wasn't looking after myself. I didn't feel great. And then something happened in my brain. I don't know what it was. Uh, I got really, really annoyed at myself. I thought, what is wrong with you? Like, you've got too much to give to just take your own life now. It's let, you let, you've let it beat you. And so I did something really weird. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't know what convinced me to do, but I don't know if it was just the anger or, or 10 years of frustration. But I had this wall at the end of my room, which is a black wall. And I pictured the depression in my head, the, the sadness, the anxiety, all this horrible feeling that I've had bottled up for so long. I pictured it as this black mass on the on the back wall. And I just, I can I swear, sorry? Yeah, of course. I just mate, yeah. fucking screamed at it. Right. I screamed as loud as I could. The top of my lungs just screamed at it. And I felt this release and I was like, what the fuck was that? It was like, I, it was like this moment of defiance where I'd had 10 years of being beaten. Mm -hmm. This moment of defiance where I was like, look at there. Am I in control here? Like, have I actually got the, 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 the wheel here? And so, I dragged myself out of bed. I walked to the doctors, it was red hot. I remember it was absolutely scorching. I went to the doctors and I basically went to the reception and went, listen, I'm thinking about taking my own life. I need to speak to somebody. And I met this nurse and I, I don't know who she is and I, I wish I could speak to her and she just, I mean, you know how hard it is to get an appointment for anybody at the doctors. This nurse, with no, with no appointment, took me upstairs, sat me in a room for an hour and just listened. Um, talked to me, she put me in touch with the IAP service to get counseling and therapy. So I was like, wow. Why have I not done this earlier? Mm. You know, where where's the ten years gone by? Then I was hit by a double decker bus. Of all right, okay, this is great, but you've got to wait a year until you get to see anybody. So I was like, I've really raised the sort of courage to come to the doctors, and now it's a year. So I was like, this can't be right. That's crazy because it, you know, in a year, anything can happen. You know, if you're on a downward trajectory. Yeah, that, 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 that's what I say to the lads quite often is. A year is too long for some people. A week could be, a day could be. Yeah. In some scenarios, yeah, like if absolutely, if you hadn't had that that moment, mm -hmm. an hour would have been too long. Yeah, ex ex exactly. And that that's that's what it was. There's crisis teams in the, in the health service are fantastic, but they're stretched. Ultimately, mm. they're absolutely stretched. Um, so yeah, it was it that at that point space was born in my head, and I don't know why. Right. It, something in my head went. 
I don't wish this on my worst enemy. I need to do something that to do you feel that. that maybe taking making the mental decision mm. that today is the day that I'm gonna take my own life. Yeah. Do you think that that gave you power over your situation? Yeah, definitely. The decision that you know you can't hurt me anymore. This can't get any worse. But I'm making that decision, and then that kind of reset the yeah. equilibrium. That reset the slate. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, at any time I could just kill myself. Yeah. That kind of like, you know, when you, it, it, it gives grandeur to the situation, yeah, yeah, doesn't it? It yeah, puts yeah, it into a context, you know, when you're having a shit day and things are a little bit like things aren't great and you just think, you know, something really bad could happen to me. Yeah. And it, it kind of resets it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Was it something mean. like that? Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, you almost make your maker for a moment. You, you, you're confronted with the absolute, um, nature of life and how finite things are it puts things into perspective yeah it does and for me i'd went through life feeling numb and like i was being carried through and I, I was just going with the wind and i was just getting done by life constantly did you realize that at the time do you know was there a point in university or working for adf or dropping out of sixth form where you are where you actually realized that you were kind of in it or at the time did it just feel normal no, I definitely felt like I was in it. Um, it felt normal for a while when I was 16. I, I didn't know what was going on. And I mm. remember I went and spoke to my dad. He lived around the corner from my sixth form. And I said to him, I was like, dad, I just feel like there's no end. There's no, there's no, there's no way out. There's no sort of, I didn't see it like the end of the tunnel for anything. Yeah. Whether it was university, I didn't see a path for me in life. I didn't have a mm. purpose. And he said, you sound depressed. So that, that, that moment was the first time I'd really heard the word depressed. I was like, what? Me? Uh, I'm not depressed. Yeah. Um, and little did I know the next 10 years of my life, was it, it would almost, not only was it going to define the next 10 years of my life, that word, it, it, I think it's defined my future as well. Um, it was a, it's, and I, with that question, what you've asked is a good question because sometimes you don't even realize what you're experiencing and what, you, and what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while I didn't. Uh, for a while, I just thought that this is normal to be this way. But I soon started to realize when I was drinking a lot, I was taking drugs, I was miserable every day. I was failing at everything I tried to do. Felt like a failure. I soon realized that this is not it because I saw my mates doing well, you know, going off and doing traveling and getting jobs, what I thought was like the most important thing in the world at the time. And I, and I wasn't getting any of that. No matter what I did, I felt this sense of discontent, this sense of I was numb. I didn't look like I was as happy as everybody else. But when I was out with them, and this is something typical that I think you hear, I was like, I was always a bit of a clown. Um, I was always sort of making jokes, having a laugh, and I didn't tell anybody about how I was feeling for a long, long time. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, 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 quite often you don't sometimes realize where you are and where you're at. But I think what starts to happen is the world around you starts to change because yeah. of how you behave and your decisions you make. So take it after the the meeting with your, the nurse yeah. then. Mm. She sets you on this path to, yeah. you know, it's going to be a year until you're able to, mm. you know, get the help that you need. Yeah. What, what happened after that? Yeah, what happened after that? So I went home, I spoke to my mum. I was sat on the table with my mum and I'd been crying. And 
I said to my mum, mum, I can't believe I said this half an hour after I'd been to the doctors. I said, mum, I need to help other people get out of this. That's what I the exact words I said to her. And she replied to me, she went, Jim, you can't help anybody. You're right in the middle of this right now. And I was like, you're absolutely right. So that day I set out, I had a, had a goal. Um, I wrote down in my diary, and actually it's, it's just almost been a year since we had our first support group with Space. And I put a picture on our social media and it was, it was an entry I wrote in my diary, because I used to write down at the time. An entry I wrote in my diary, which said, um, I'm going to set up a men's mental health charity and support men in the Northeast. And I dated it and signed it. And then on 22nd of April last year, I ticked it. Put a massive tick next to it. So four years after that conversation, I held, I came out of the depression. And don't get me wrong, times still get hard, but I don't think any harder than anybody else. I came out of the depression, um, I'd found a job that I actually liked. Um, and I'd, I'd provided a space for people to just go and talk where they didn't have to wait a year. They didn't have to pay me. They just turned up, just talked about it. And we had nine people in our first group. So, you know, it was a, four, it was a long four years and it was by no means easy. Um, it was, there was times in there where friends came close to suicide. There was times in there where I, once again, came close. Um, because it, it wasn't easy and, and it's a bit of a journey. It's not a... Okay, bang, there you go, mm -hmm. I'm away. It's not like that. It's, it's what I tell the lads is it's two steps forward, one step back. So you always feel like, quite often what this is, we'll come to the group and I feel great. And then I'll have a bad day the day after. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but you've taken two steps forward and you're in a different position than you were because you've taken action. Mm -hmm. But then you sometimes do take a step back and that's what happened to me. And happens to a lot of people is you sometimes just get knocked back. You have a down day and you think this is it, this is the end of the world. But it's just about keeping moving forward. Um, and, and I had this motto that I would just, in my head, constantly just say to myself, and it was, I'm better today than I was yesterday. That's what I would always say. And when I kept that, I started just putting one foot in front of the other. I was like, actually, I'm in control now. Um, I know the behaviors that put me back to where I was. Um, and I stay well away from them. Uh, you know, because I know I could sleepwalk into depression again, if I wanted to. Uh, it, it's it's the strangest, strangest thing how I could just, like that, I know how to get it back. What changes do you feel like you've made that allow you to not enter that depression? Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is where I feel lucky, but I also feel like it's a sick, cruel twist of fate almost. Um, I gave myself a purpose. Now, it's not easy to find a purpose or to have a purpose. But it was a it was a pur purpose where it wasn't children. It wasn't something external to me. It was, it was. I decided to sort of pursue something meaningful, and for me, that almost gave me the direction that I was always lacking. And I, all my life, I've always enjoyed being nice to people. It was just in my nature, as, as everybody has. I've done things that I'm not proud of, and we've all been probably nasty at some point, or you know, it's I'm only a human being. But what always felt like it was me was being nice to people and kind to people and looking after people. I've never really had an angry or nasty side to me. So when I decided this, it just felt like a natural step and it gave me a purpose. And that purpose sort of started to get me out of bed a bit in the morning. Um, I, I, once again, I, is it luck? I don't know, but I, I got a job that I liked. I had people around me that was, that was starting to support me and I was starting to point my life in a direction that felt 
right? Yeah. It, it felt like, um, it, it, see that, and I keep saying the same words, it's purpose and it's direction. Yeah. That was what pulled me out of it because it I didn't have meaning, that before. It gives you meaning, doesn't it? It gives, exactly. you, a, it gives you an objective, yeah, I think. exactly it. A lot of people struggle because, you know, if you're not making small incremental improvements in something, mm -hmm. then what are you doing? Yeah. So it's a, I think it is difficult, difficult for people, especially, especially as people start to lack structure as they get older. Yeah, yeah. Like you're talking about school, it's structured. I mean, I think by the sounds of things, a lot of what you chased after school sounded yeah. like structure, yeah. you know, go to university, the RAF, mm -hmm. what could be more yeah, yeah. structure. Exactly. So it's like, it's always looking for that external, like, and I don't know what it is. It, it, it's not necessarily, it's like a, it's like an overlord. It's like a dad. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's like somebody who's going to yeah. tell you what yeah. to do and when yeah, exactly. to do it exactly. so that you don't have to rely on yourself for mm -hmm. that, yeah, yeah. which is really important for people. But unfortunately that structure has boundaries and when you have bad habits creeping in, they can start as soon as those boundaries end and they can start creeping into those boundaries. Yeah. And before you know it, if you can't manage the time outside of that structure well and look after yourself properly and do little things of like routine, mm -hmm. then you are gonna struggle in the long run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, it, it's, it's hard for people because I think it's it's got to come from, and this is not the sound. I don't like to use the word hippieish, but but hippieish. No, it's got it's, it's got it's got to come from inside of you. Now, people can find purpose in their children. People can find purpose in all sorts of things. Um, but I think for your own contentment and happiness, it's got to come from something within. Now, that might who knows what that is. Everybody's completely different. You know, if, if little things like your job, do you enjoy your job? Are you, is your job aligned with your values and what you want to dedicate your life to? Mm -hmm. you know, or are, are you a really good person that cares about people and your job involves exploiting people? You know, and, and that's, sometimes that's, those jobs exist when you, if you're looking at some sales environments, mm -hmm. like you know you shouldn't maybe be selling to some of the people who maybe can't afford it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's little things. I mean, that's just, it's just a one example, but looking at different aspects of your life. So your, your career, what, what, what is your career? Is it, is it aligned with your values? Mm -hmm. um, your family life, do, do you have, are you, are you lucky to have family? Are they supported? Um, there's all sorts of things, but I think what's really important is, is looking at, is at some point in my life, am I pursuing something that is meaningful to me? Mm -hmm. And I think that gives people a really big um, impetus to get out of bed and you don't just feel like you're part of the rat race and you're part of, yeah. you're stuck in the rut of sleep, wake up, kids ready, job I hate, home, weekend, drink, drugs. You know, you know, and ultimately you can find yourself in this cycle where you're like, where's the last five years gone? Yeah. You know, where, where's my dreams that I had as a, as a kid gone? Like, you know, and people can find themselves in these 100%. situations. And, and I think that's probably reflected in the statistics of suicide in the Northeast and in the country. Um, you know, it's the biggest killer of men under 50. We'll talk about the Northeast because yeah. obviously this is something that, you know, we can both testament to. Mm -hmm. It is shit here sometimes for men in particular, but for a lot of people, it's a tough place. I feel like 
it's underfunded. There's not loads of outlets for people to be able to do stuff outside of drinking, drugs, nights out, rat race. Even the, the, the work culture isn't the best. It's very much like you don't meet tons and tons of people with purpose here. Mm. And that's not to say that they don't have like purpose within their family life, mm. but you, you very rarely meet people with huge ambitions here. And people who do tend to have bigger ambitions from here are kind of shot down more often than not. Mm. Do you feel like that's a contributor to? I mean, it's difficult. I mean, the experiences I've had have probably been different to that. Um, I quite often find that people do have ambitions and big ambitions and big dreams, but somewhere down the line, those were lost. Um, so do you feel like it's more, rather than not having, cause yeah, I feel like obviously everybody starts out with ambitions, mm. but do you feel like they're always, there isn't a mentality for it here? Like it's people be like, you can't do that. I, I think it's, it's hard. It's difficult when you're tackling the culture of somewhere, it's, it's not an easy thing because it's so subjective in many senses. Mm -hmm. People are very different. And I think it's important to take the history of the Northeast yes. with all of this because the Northeast has been forgotten about for a long, long time. Yeah. And you know, you hear about the government now saying leveling up. It, it's why we shouldn't need to be getting leveled. It was though, a powerhouse it, before. Yeah, but it was, it was huge. Yeah. The biggest, biggest shipbuilding industry mm -hmm. in, the, in the world. Coal. It was massive. We had yeah. coal mining. There was glass making. There was rubber making on the River Tyne. There was, there was absolutely all sorts. This, this country. I and think it was the biggest the exporter. Yeah, outside, enormous, yeah. huge. It's 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 a it's a part of the world that was built on industry. Yeah, and ultimately, when that industry went abroad and, and things dried up, we lost the coal mines, lost the shipyards. You know, if all of a sudden you've taken a very a hotbed of of industry. Yeah, you've taken the work away, and all of a sudden you're left with a population who are. Well, what do I do now? Yeah. What what where do I do? Do I move away? Do I? It was a culture of people working hard, like yeah. hard working working class people who had a skill that had been passed down that they were just told that skill isn't worth anything anymore. Mm -hmm. And then their purpose for some people. Yeah. Their purpose was mm -hmm. like kind of stripped away. And obviously you understand it. Like I had a conversation yesterday with a friend about the way that education's going and his business and how all of his low level jobs in his company have been replaced by AI. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, as someone who's from the Northeast, you can see that pattern of mm -hmm. a lot of low level, like entry level skill jobs mm -hmm. were taken away by heavy machinery. Yeah. You know, where before you'd need 10 people to do something. Mm -hmm. Now you need one person to run the machine. Yeah, exactly. Before you'd need 10 people to work in a business. Now you need one person who understands the AI mm -hmm. and the yeah. AI will do it. So like, you know, we were hit, it's going to be something that we've seen before yeah. kind of happening again with technological yeah. advancements. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's, we, I've got a lot of my friends live in London. I've got a friend who works at a, a quite a large publishing company in London, and he's very passionate about trying to get sort of um, writers from the northeast and get people into the northeast, and because the people aren't any different, the people are just as creative up here. They're just as fantastic as you get down London. We've just got this huge collection as of people that live there. Quite often, people leave the northeast, but I honestly think things are changing. Um, I think the Northeast is is really experiencing a revival. And I mean, look at the Riverside development in Sunderland. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, there's, and 
from my experience of working with Spears and setting up a, a company, there's a lot of people doing some really, really impressive work. Mm. There's, there's a guy I know who's one of my non-execs. A big shout out to Chris Nutman, legend. He, he runs a company called Global Teacher. And a bit, well, it's a charity called, I think it's a charity, sorry, Chris. Um, it, it's a, called Global Teacher. And he's basically designing 3D printed um, projectors and educational tools that are solar powered. So they can send them anywhere in the world to kids who don't have access to education and they can learn through this 3D printed, he's printed them in Sunland, 3D printed, educate, the educational information's already on there, the, the content. He's sending that across the world. He's from Sunland. Mm. You know, there's so much happening. Oh yeah. And I the think creativity's fantastic. There's so many people in the Northeast who would do better, but I just think, I feel like being from the Northeast, I, I often feel like the kind of poor relation where it's like we don't get the opportunities that I feel like people yeah. deserve. Yeah. Like from a funding perspective, I think per capita, we get the mm. least funding. Yeah, yeah. So like that stems from like, obviously my background in education, mm -hmm. it just like, it filters all the way through. And I feel like the the mentality is being killed a little bit here mm -hmm. by by that, by like dampening that creativity mm -hmm. and, and showing people that there's not that, there's not opportunities. So yeah. you either leave or yeah, yeah, no, I, I def definitely get that. But I do think that it's, I can see things getting slightly better with kind of globalization. Mm. So obviously, like you said there, your friend who's able to work globally mm. from Sunderland, mm. which obviously has massive advantages. Mm. Like we have an advantage over other companies that do the same thing as us, but are based in London mm. because we don't have to pay London rent. We don't yeah. have to pay London rates. We mm. don't have to, but we can still compete with those companies because- yeah, of course we don't have a physical product. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So I do think there's opportunities for people in the Northeast. Mm. I just feel like it's been a, for a long time, people have been like, I feel like the Northeast has been shit on mm -hmm. and I, I worry that people's mentalities have shifted as a result. I, I, th I think the, the being shat on in the Northeast has without a doubt happened, but I think the mentality shift's gone the other way. I think because of that, people are starting to go, well, what can we do? I mean, there's huge movement at the moment with people just trying to bring social good to, to the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's what we're trying to do. There's loads of different um, like organizations, that small businesses that are setting up to try and change the way the Northeast shaped. And it's absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely working. Um, the, the, the lads I get to speak to are an absolute pleasure to work with. And they've all got so many dreams and so many things that they want to do and all I think they need is, and maybe this fits into your point, is they need some support and someone to believe in them. The and just go, listen, you can do that. You absolutely can do that. Just go and do it. How do you think COVID affected people, obviously in the, in the space that you're in? Massively. It, it affected me. Uh, it affected just about everybody I know. I mean, humans are, and have been for their entire history, social animals. Um, there is not an, an organism on the planet Earth that was exposed to the social isolation we were no. with um, with COVID. It was, I, I know what what used to really impact my mental health, what used to send me right down at the dumps, and it was always isolation. And the lads who cut my groups, the buzzword is isolation. It is constant. So COVID drove everybody indoors, made everybody scared, and everybody got isolated. And it's the statistics, I mean, if you look at the statistics for, for suicide, they didn't go down. <laughs> you know, they were, they were only going one oh, way. Yeah. Um, so it, it's absolutely affected people. It, it, it's society was removed. Yeah. Uh, some people were lucky 
and they had a big family that they lived with and they went home and they had drinks and barbecue and spent some amazing time together. Fantastic. Some people didn't have any of that. Mm. Some people had themselves. Some people were stuck TV, in a flat. Didn't get a lot of money. I'm on universal credit. What happened to them? You know, where yeah. where are they? It's it's and I know the reasons why COVID happened and I know why we had to do the things we had to do. Why we're trying to understand and contain it, but there's there's absolute implications of how it was handled. I don't think they took that into consideration. No. I think they didn't think, oh, actually, you know, separating people from their family, their loved ones, their purpose mm. might not be might might not have a net net like positive result. Yeah. Um but I think that's testimony to the fact that mental health still plays second fiddle yeah. to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've got to live in your head your entire life. Yeah. It's the only place you're ever gonna live. Yeah. Um so do you feel like one of the big things for you is like allowing people to understand how important mental health is? So it's de- it's definitely an aspect. It's it's an aspect of understanding how I think a lot of people are very aware of how important mental health is. I think some people don't quite grasp the gravity of the situation. Um, when I always tell people how, about how many people actually die from suicide, it's always absolute disbelief. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's if you're age 50 to 54, your highest risk bracket of death is by suicide. It's more than heart attacks and cancer and all that kind of stuff. Suicide. Yeah. It, it's, it is... There's one man dies every two hours from suicide. What is, do you know, it's like, how, how, how is this not being, how is it not being communicated and, and people trying to make a change? And this was the, my frustration. And I was like, well, nobody's doing it. So I'm going to try and do it. And what, what I want to try and do is provide a community for people because we, we lack community in, in almost every aspect of society now. Why man? Well, that's a, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? Uh, I think there's, there's lots of reasons. I think by, by our nature through history, I think men have quite often been a provider in a family. The, the typical role of a family, the, men, the man was quite often the provider. Um, and through that, you are unselfish. You've got to put your family's needs before your own. Um, your emotions don't, not that they don't matter, but ultimately you need to feed your family, you need to provide, you need to put clothes on your kids' back, food on the table. Um, so that that's a generational mentality of everybody else matters rather than me. And that gets sort of distributed down through generations. And um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think what the difference was back in history compared to where we are now is we now don't have a community. It doesn't really exist that much. It, it's... There's don't get me wrong. There's hotspots everywhere. Of course, there is, and that's not a. That's, I know it's a general statement, but community doesn't exist for a lot of people. Mm. It's a massive thing. Community's huge, so we don't have community. We spend a lot of time indoors, a lot of time in front of screens, um, and I know firsthand if I am sat indoors by myself in front of a screen all the time, don't get any outdoor exposure, any clean fresh air, I go down, and I know I do. Um, thankfully, I know I can help and to, to sort of combat that. But you know, if if you take into combination all these different factors of men being in that provider role and then thinking that everybody else's feelings matter, that's something that sinks in. That's an implicit feeling that you have that yeah. of everybody else matters before me. Um, the pressures of, of the social pressures of 
what do you look like as a man in society? You know, are you a masculine man? Is that the is the pressure on you to look like a masculine man? Are you a feminine man? And you don't want to be. You know, are you a masculine man and you feel feminine, but you just don't want to show that side? There's all sorts of pressures to be something, mm -hmm. and that person that that, that pressure is usually quite uh, uniform and people aren't uniform. There's different shapes and sizes, different people, different um, motivations to just live your life. Um, so I think it's, it's there's, a, there's a lot of different reasons, but I massively think a big part of it is community. I think men for a long time were told, oh, you know, boys don't cry. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, for a long time men were told that your feelings don't matter because you've got to go and put food on your family's plate. Um, so yeah, I mean, the the, the, the Reasons are endless and I don't think there's any one answer. What ultimately there is, you're left with this mosaic of individual circumstances. You've got family, you've got your environment, you've got um, values that were passed down. What's your experience now is epigenetics will play. There's, there's all sorts of these different mosaics that will form a much larger picture of male suicide and the reasons for that. Do you feel like, well, do, do, the, do the statistics show that male suicide's increasing? And over, like, like how significantly and over what time do you feel like as men are struggling to provide as they have done previously? Yeah. Do you feel like, th obviously that's contributed to it, but has like, has male suicides increased over the past kind of 50 years? Yeah. Um, so male suicides is steadily increasing year by year. The Northeast has had the worst suicide rates in the country for at least the past 10 years. Right. Suicide rates are increasing, they're not going down. Um, you see different spikes and you see different, um, and just for anybody watching the suicide statistics I'm referring to are from Samaritans right. and Office of National Statistics. So um, if anybody wants to look at them, you can just go and have a look yourself. Yeah. It's all put into really easy to read yeah. uh, infographics. Yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot with no, like no, statistics. No, 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 that's absolutely stuff, fine. Yeah. It's absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, statistics absolutely increasing. You're getting, um, we see an increase last year, I think in elderly, right. um, as in over 80s, which is, you know, so it's, Mental like Social isolation is a massive part. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a family and you've got nobody come to see you and you live by yourself, you may be unwell, you don't have a lot of money, you don't have money to heat your house. Mm -hmm. Where Some people are just going to go, this well, is... I absolutely agree with what you were saying about the community thing. Um, and you were, the community thing is huge. Like we don't have the same sense of community that no. we do, that we used to. I mean, how many people know who their neighbours are? I remember yeah. growing up, and I, this isn't that long ago, you know, 20 years ago, mm. you would know every single person on your street, yeah. like every single person yeah. without, without a shadow of a doubt, you'd know every single street one of parties, them. Street yeah. parties, camera parties. But you would know them all at least, <laughs> yeah. even if you were like, oh, they're a nightmare, or yeah. oh, they pop your ball, you would know who they were. Yeah. Now, I know the first name of the person to my left. I mm. don't know the first name of the person to my right. Mm -hmm. I don't think I know anybody else's name. Yeah. I know one guy down the street cause I actually know him from the gym. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I don't know any of them. I've never yeah. spoke, I've, you know, maybe like, hello, yeah. but they're not, it's not a community. And I know that, you know, you've got a wider community through like digital, therefore you don't necessarily need, mm. but you know, if you're an old person, what sort of community do you have? I mean, probably it's different. I don't know if it's necessarily worse because mm. you know there are probably some people who wouldn't be able to speak to their parents every yeah. day oh, absolutely, yeah. who can who can still see them so i think you know you know there's there's pros and cons of technology mm. and used well yeah and used properly technology is the best thing we've ever yeah, done definitely yeah but in the same breath used incorrectly mm. 
it's you know detrimental like nuclear is the 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 best form of energy mm. that we have it's also the best form of blowing stuff up yeah. so it's like how you use it yeah, massively affects like whether it's viewed as being mm. good or bad but yeah i definitely think that community for men and a lot of it's like based around drinking as well so a lot of like Massive. and and that's not a great place to you know get your feelings out oh, and it's, it's yeah yeah i i mean uh, one of the lads who comes to our groups i love this saying what he said and it was um talking about difference between men and women and what the how we treat our um problems how, how we different how different we are and he said that men go out to forget the problems and women go out to discuss their problems you know so I, for me that hit me i was like well like women do go out to talk about the problems men go out to forget them we go out and drink and think oh i'm sick of this i'm gone for a pint or you know mm -hmm. that is a fundamental difference there yeah and you're right alcohol when alcohol is a depressant it makes you feel awful for days afterwards and i know if, if i go out on a saturday i'm not right until wednesday i know my mood is just bang just just like it takes me a while to level off mm -hmm. um but yeah it, it's huge and in community that's why i think football is important because i mean i'm a Sunderland fan and when you go to the match you've got forty thousand people in there you're looking around and you're like this is the last bastion of real community that's been there since the middle of the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Because you're right, you don't speak to your neighbours anymore. Most people, I, don't, I know anyway, certainly not on my street anymore. Um, you don't speak to your neighbours, you don't go to the library or whatever it might be. You know, all these little things that you might have done when you were younger and in, mm -hmm. in previous years don't really happen anymore. Everything is just so socially available where you can do it through your phone. Yeah, um, yeah. I think football is a great, you know, way of like social inclusion. Um, I think definitely that could be a a good place for people to start. Mm -hmm. What about though, moving your body? What have you? Massive. How have, is that something that you feel has contributed to you feeling better? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so basically, space. What we do is so we have our talking groups every Wednesday. So we've done that for a year. We have, we're at the Beacon of Light in Sunderland every mm -hmm. Wednesday. And we talk through, lads can come and talk about whatever they want. Grief, whether it's you can't get access to your kids, you just feel like shit that day, that week, whatever it is, you can talk about whatever you want. Um, but that's just one arm of what space do. So that's what we call our space to talk. Um, we also run a campaign this year called Walking to Get Blokes Talking because what's important is um, that outdoor movement, exercise, it's absolutely enormous. And you mm -hmm. see, the it's a visible change in people from when you first meet them whether they come to a group whether they come through a walk when they first come probably a bit nervous a bit shy and then by the end they're walking with the chest out and they're feeling good and it's like you've got your fresh air in your lungs and mm -hmm. you're not confined to the indoors the reason i was asking you about the 50 year thing mm. is that we are less active Definitely. people are moving less at work mm. people you know don't necessarily need to walk anywhere really mm. you know we're, yeah. we're turning into america almost where yeah. everyone just drives everywhere and you know obviously there's a lot of people getting healthy and there's a there's a good access to like fitness yeah. i think especially in the northeast i think mm. there's a lot of things yeah, to yeah, do definitely. from like a outdoor perspective yeah, yeah. but i feel like people are generally a little bit less active than they were 50 years ago like 
you know, doing exercise and stuff is is free. So yeah. that's why people did it back in the yeah, day, like yeah. going to the beach, doing stuff like that. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm just speaking from personal experience. I don't often have a good day mm. if I haven't moved in the morning. Mm -hmm. So if I don't go to the gym that morning, I do feel like I'll feel more anxious that day. Yeah. And not that I like, I wouldn't say that I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can feel anxious without yeah. having anxiety. Also. But I definitely feel like just, just if I didn't train for two weeks, mm. I'd feel like shit. Yeah. And if I'm speaking to someone who hasn't trained for two years, mm. haven't done any physical fitness for two years, mm. I don't know how they could feel good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I, do. I know exactly what you mean. Um, it's, it's massive. It's a, it's a huge part. I'm sure there's studies to say that exercise, regular exercise is something like 1.5 times more effective or like antidepressants yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I'd seen yeah, something like that. You know, the, the, so there's, it's, it's absolutely, you feel so good after you've exercised. Some people say they just don't like exercise. Um, a lot of people we have station jobs where we're sedentary, you know, we we sat at our desks inside all day. You come home, you drive home, you're sitting in traffic all day. You've got the kids to look after. Some people just don't feel like they have the time. Um, in, in that's, it's a massive, massive part. It doesn't have to be going to the gym and benching 100 kilograms oh, or whatever, yeah. do you know what I mean? What it does have to be, I think, is just a, a, a little promise to yourself to be like, I'm gonna make sure that I get outside. Because I think outside, you're obviously you're pretty much always active when you're outside, but yeah. just getting outside and walking, it's, it's massive. Minor people. changes, yeah. I used to be a personal trainer, and one of the things would be, you know, incremental exactly, changes, yeah. like park at the other side of the car park yeah. and walk four yeah. minutes yeah. you know that that eight minutes a day take the stairs yeah, exactly, instead yeah. of the like burn off mm -hmm. some of that anxiety burn yeah. off some of that yeah. like internal dread like mm -hmm. if you if you feel terrible and you do something like a, even a little bit physical it can set all those nerves can't yeah, def it? you definitely can like can. definitely can even if you do like if you feel, if you feel like you just get hit with a bit of you know something bottled up mm -hmm. if you go for a walk yeah it does just clear your head doesn't it absolutely it's, you know it's not a band-aid for, for every single issue no, no of course but i feel like could that be a good place for people to start oh god that's the first uh, question you ask uh, yourself yeah absolutely um you know if somebody is sitting here right now listening to this and they are experiencing depression or anxiety they're sitting there thinking there's no point in life i don't know what to do first thing you should do absolutely always do is speak to the gp I'd just just speak to your gp first place then what you can do is you can come and speak to someone like us, so Space, or speak to Andy's Man Club. Um, they're an amazing organisation that do similar stuff to what we do. Um, but then absolutely get outside. So I'm lucky to live next to Backhouse Park in Ashbrook. Um, and, you know, I've had a rough time recently. Um, it, it's hard managing this organisation and working full time. So things can get, I spend a lot of time indoors because of that. I'm mm -hmm. having to work a lot. And when things get a bit difficult, I just go into the backhouse park and I just just walk about in the, amongst the trees, hear the birds chirping, and you just sit there and have 10 minutes just doing nothing, just not worrying. Just listen to the birds, listen to your music if you want, whatever it is, but just get outside and walk and you'll feel yourself just alleviate a little bit. And what that does is just gives you a little bit more space to make some better decisions because ultimately that's what you need. If you stay in bed on your phone, and you're in a dark room with a big bright light in front of your face, scrolling on TikTok, it, you, you're never gonna feel any better. Yeah. That's, that's a guarantee. If you get up 
and go for a walk, do an exercise, get a kettlebell out or go skipping or go for a walk down the beach or see your nephews or whatever it might be. Just, just a little bit of activity and take yourself out of the situation of I'm sat in my office at home or I'm sat in front of the computer or I'm sat on my phone in front of the TV. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a massive step and ultimately what you mentioned there is, is absolutely right is those incremental changes and we call them little wins. Mm -hmm. um, little wins are massive because if you do enough of them for long enough, they become very big changes, mm. fundamental changes to behaviour, you know. Um, so I know it works for me. It's everybody's different and there's no absolutes here. Everybody has to find their own way. But a good place to start for everybody, what will work for just about everyone, is getting outside. Yeah. Get outside and walk. Getting outside, speaking to a mate. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Speak to somebody you feel comfortable with. It's If, if you can open up to someone, uh, do, you know, do you know what I often find is um, at these groups that we run on a Wednesday, lads will come in looking very sheepish and nervous. But for some reason, in a group of strangers, men will open up more in that two hours than they ever have in their entire life to all of their mates. I'll know more, I'll know somebody on a deeper level quite often in two hours than I have, than probably their, some of their best friends will. It's, it's a bizarre <sighs> I feel like when thing. you feel like people are in the same boat as you, mm. it makes it very easy to open up. You know, yeah. it reduces the stigma because you're both you you're all there for the same reason. Yeah, exactly. You can be like, you know, you're not thinking to yourself, oh, like, what are they thinking of mm. me? Or because you're in the exact same boat. It's like, yeah. and also you listen to their problems. So do you feel like that gives people a kind of sense of Perspective. satisfaction as well, like helping mm. them? As, yeah, yeah. Like definitely. say we're talking, going through some stuff. I'm telling you about some shit that's affecting me. You're mm. telling me about some shit that's affecting you. Mm. I'm offering you some solutions or I'm just listening yeah, or yeah. vice versa. Mm -hmm. And you feel like, you know, a problem, it feels like you're halving your problems yeah, by- that's, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Uh, the lads who come, they are um, quite often just starved of, a, of, a, of an ear of someone who will just listen. Yeah. You know, it's- um, and it's not because they don't have support of families or support of partners or whatever. It's because it fades into that thing that I mentioned before about being a provider and whatnot. Yeah. And I feel this as well, you know, is you don't want to feel like a burden on yeah. your partner or you want them to think that you're a strong bloke and you're totally capable, nothing phases you, you can handle anything. Yeah. But is that really real life? You know, it's not. And, and, but when you come into a group like us and you speak to everybody, you realise, well, he looks hard as nails and he is crying in front of us. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, wait there, is this actually okay? <laughs> I'm actually yeah. all right here. I, he, if he's crying, I know I can cry. If he's got stuff going on, I know I've got stuff going on and, I, and it's okay. And all of a sudden it becomes these problems that I have internally and I've held inside for so long, I don't have to. I can just come here and just for two hours say what the f I want mm -hmm. and get everything out and get whatever I want off my chest. But also what's a big part about opening up in these sorts of groups is that you make friends. Yeah. Genuinely. Go community. Yeah, make that's friends. So what can people do to get involved? Um, so in every Wednesday at the Beacon of Light, seven o'clock, we have our groups. Yeah. Um, we, anybody's welcome. There's no sign up. There's, you know, you announce you're coming. You just turn up. Seven o'clock every Wednesday. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram. Obviously we're at Space Northeast for everything. So you can get us on any of them. We run our walking groups now. So we've got our next walk coming up in about six weeks. Um, we've also, so like this is, this is another one of the arms what we do. So we have our space to talk, which is our groups. We've got our space to 
walk, which is these walks, but we've also got space to think. So the idea of that is to try and get people stimulated and thinking about things that take them out of their own head. Right, okay. So whether it's astronomy, whether it's learning about artificial intelligence, whether it's about health, it's taking all these levels of expertise in the Northeast and bring them to Sunderland and the Northeast and getting people outside their own head. So what, however they want to interact with us, whether it's walking, whether it's um, exercise classes we're going to be putting on, whether it is um, space to think, so come listen to a, someone do talks, um, whatever it might be, you can just get in touch. Um, you know, because ultimately we're helping, we're here to support men in the North East, that's what we do. So whether you're lonely, depressed, anxious, suicidal, just come and speak to us. So we've had lads come to our groups who the week before were standing on the other side of the way of Mouth Bridge, ready to kill themselves. And then they come and see us for three or four months or whatever and they feel all of a sudden better about life. Yeah. And that's what ultimately only matters. And we're trying to cre create a community in the northeast of men who are just looking out for each other and bring back that community, that camaraderie of just like doing things with each other, you know, mm -hmm. walk, exercise. One of the most rewarding things we've done was a couple of weeks ago, Sunderland played Birmingham City and uh, Chris Waters at Sunderland, who's an amazing individual, um, he donated eight tickets for us to go, so I'd take some of the lads. One guy came to the match who loved the football, but he hadn't been back because his, his son had taken his own life. Um, and his son loved the football as well. And he came back on the six month anniversary of his son dying and we won 2-1, last minute goal. Um, and this fella, his face was just beaming. And he now he's going back to the match. And he said he, now, he went for that free ticket with his mates and now he's going back and he's going with some of the lads who got the groups and they can't meet each other for a pint or there's been the cricket and stuff and like you know you can see the hunger for just a bit of support and a bit you can of see it work yeah and it's amazing honestly and I, and I wish i could describe the honest magic what it is when you see lads come together who just needed a arm around them just again i need a bit of help it's amazing honestly it's amazing work that you're doing and it's it's obviously came out of you know you not being in a good position yeah and it's just so inspiring to see that someone who needed all the help yeah. that he could get mm -hmm. his initial thought was to help other people yeah um obviously it plays into the whole purpose thing mm. um and finding quickly how it is that you can you can like helping others has helped you help yourself which yeah, is amazing and, and i'm sure other people will will find that as well when mm -hmm. they get involved um definitely and i think that What's important to say is that when it comes to stuff like this, it doesn't have to be after you start feeling terrible, you start thinking about stuff like this. You can really prevent point, can be and is more important than a cure. Mm. Like don't get to the point yeah. where you're like, right, well, nothing to hurt me now because I can just kill myself. Yeah, don't wait 10 years, whatever you do. Yeah, but uh, you didn't have this. Yeah, well, you well, didn't have this true, when you. True. So you, you've obviously it's here now, mm. and I think that's what's important. Mm. Obviously, you'd have been great if it was here ten years ago, yeah, and it would be great if you didn't have to do this. Yeah. Like obviously, you know, I feel it's inspiring to see you do this. You, you know, it's your purpose to do this, I believe. Mm. But obviously, I'm sure it would be your dream that you didn't have to do this at all, and that everyone was fine. Yeah. So it's like. 
It's, it's sometimes quite what I often say is there shouldn't really be any suicides. You know, I know that's a perfect world, but suicides are totally preventable mm. deaths. You know, yeah. it's why should there be any? Yeah, and I, and I know totally that's a bit of a pie in the sky, but it's yeah. you know what I'm trying to say is that yeah, yeah. there should always be the support and backing for people so they never get to that point. Yeah, well, I think it's important for people to hear that there is stuff out there for them. And I know that there's a lot of people in the Northeast who will benefit from this. So obviously we will link all of that in the YouTube description. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, so that people can, can kind of follow that. If it's not now, mm -hmm. it might be in a few months time. You might not think that you need this now, but a friend might need it or, yeah, yeah. or anything. So mm -hmm. I think it's important to realize that there's absolutely no stigma. Yeah. And that there's, you know, it's it's a it's a brave thing to do mm. and it's a strong thing to do yeah. to say that you need help because if you didn't ask for help and you something bad happened to you mm. you wouldn't be able to be helping these blokes yeah so if you hadn't went for help you wouldn't be here yeah and you wouldn't be in the position to help other people mm. so actually asking for help is a selfless thing to do because yeah. it allows you to help you can't help anyone mm. if you're not in a position to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's absolutely right. So it's absolutely right. So get in touch. And even if even if you feel like you don't need this, there might be a way that you can get in touch and help other people mm -hmm. who do. Yeah. Which I think is just as important because you never know. Something might happen, change the circumstance, and one day you'll need it. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well I'm keen to um keep in touch, right? And just definitely, see yeah. I mean we're always looking to help in ways that we can. So mm -hmm. 100%. Definitely. Yeah, I, pre I really appreciate his giving me the chance to just speak about it, you know, because it's, uh, um, we get quite a few people when, if we do something like this, we get quite a few people who say, I, I resonate with how you felt. Um, and you ultimately, you just never know how significant your interaction is with someone. Yeah. And in their chain of events in their life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really appreciate just being able to reach out. And if anybody has any questions, just yeah. drop me a message, you know, it's. Well, Thank you again, and um, I'm sure this won't be the last we hear of you. Yeah, top one. Awesome. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. Thank Thanks you very so much. much. Right, guys, we're signing out. See you next time.